Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time, except for we're still in the middle of this summertime break. It's it's late August, you know, we, we're still getting our jams out here, you know, it's boiling hot outside, so come join us once more for the Summer of Love Beach Party podcast episodes. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. Oh, uh, my name is Spencer. That's good. The movie, this week, summertime classic, The <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, directed <laughs> by Toe. It does hmm? take place in the summer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, 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 it's hot. Yeah. Everybody's on vacation or whatever. Directed by Toby Hooper, written by Kim Henkel and Toby Hooper, starring Marilyn Burns, Paul A. Partain, Edwin Neal, Jim Sidow, and Gunnar Hansen as Leatherface. Uh, you need to also bring up cinematographer Daniel Pure, Daniel Pearl, who is probably uh, one of the huge reasons this movie is a success. It feels like a lot, a lot of things uh, were just the right recipe to make this movie way yeah. more successful than uh, it had any right to be. Uh, I think it was Albert Kane was talking about uh, this movie. He said, like, pretty much like the big key difference between this and later Hooper is the cinematography was just so much better because he kind of got lucky and got the uh, Pearl to do it for him this time. Mm. I think it's the one time they worked together. They didn't, they, not very often. Looks like he's done a lot of music videos recently, and before that, National Treasure. Yeah, he went he's, on. Done, he's got like 220 credits on IMDb, so yeah. hard to go through and figure out exactly what he had done with him. But also the sound design, I sure looked up who did that, but the, that was easily the, the star of the show. Yeah, that's it's pretty genius what they decided to put together for that. Let's see. For sound department, there's actually nine different names. Uh, you know, that covers all the microphone and everything yeah. else like that. Re-editing, re-recording, mixing. Composer is a man named Wayne Bell and, and uh, Toby Hooper himself. The movie doesn't use traditional music, though. Uh, according yeah. to the IMDb <laughs> trivia, it's actually... Supposed to be sounds from a slaughterhouse. Um, if that's it. what it is, it's like very specific because they like change tones, and it, it comes off as sounding very musical and you know just terrifying. Yeah, it sounds like all the sounds are uh, very like it's just machinery and like uh, uh, motors and generators and cars. It's nothing pleasing to the ear. It's just this guttural, uh, man-made, you know, industrial sounds constantly. Deep humming, chains rattling, stuff like that. So yeah. you pick this movie, man. Yeah. 
Um, this was a regular for me in high school. I bought the DVD. It's like the, I'm checking the years, right? Maybe like the 35 year anniversary disc, which had like, I think a two disc and it came in a gold box, um, still box thing. And me and my friend watched it and we both heard it was really good and it lived up to its reputation and I just kept watching it and I eventually sold that because I got rid of a whole bunch of DVDs uh, in late, later in high school. And I, so I didn't see this movie for uh, probably about a decade or so and just started to rewatch it on a whim uh, earlier this year and I was like, oh, this is one of my favorite movies. I just never realized it because I watched it probably at least 10 to 20 times in high school. Like this was uh, on a rotation with like uh, original Halloween, Devil's Rejects, uh, Eternal Sunshine, Clerks. It, it was a, a weird rotation of like regular stuff. I'd make a point to watch over and over again. But So you were one of those kids? Yes. Okay. Define those kids. Uh, <laughs> somebody who might be seen as a horror movie nut. Yeah, a bit. But my high school, it, uh, it everyone like loved... You were, like, watching everything. It sounds like you were watching the, the cream of the crop stuff. I watched everything. I just would rewatch the cream of the crop more. I see. Well, that's good. Yeah, I saw a lot of terrible horror movies at the time that I don't want to revisit. And so I probably should like the sequel to this, which, when I was 17, I found to be incredibly irritating because it's... This one is a very dark comedy in, in moments, but Toby Hooper felt no one got that, so the sequel is yeah, very comedy. Yeah. yeah, so much that at seventeen I thought was just really, really grating, and I watched it once, and I got rid of the DVD the next day because I just hated, hated it so much. Uh, I wouldn't say. I'm sorry, Mister Mister Hooper. Like, uh, if you wanted your your movie to be a comedy, you you kind of missed the bar there. I think it's funny. Like there are a couple moments that are, I think are generally funny. I mean, yeah, that, there's definitely bits like that. Uh, Sarah, when was the first time you saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Um, the first time I saw it was in high school too. I was like mm-hmm. seventeen, and yeah, you guys don't know this, um, but we had to go to a second high school, high school two. That's for grades uh, thirteen through sixteen. <laughs> As well, I mean... Uh, no, um, no, I appreciate the courtesy laugh, thank you. It was basically peer pressure, because I hated horror movies. Like, at the time, I was very sensitive to gore and to, like... Yeah, when I saw things happening like that, it would, like... I'd get these... I already had this, like, disturbing imagery sometimes in my imagination. Mm-hmm. And, like, if I saw something like that, sometimes it would, like creep into my nightmare ideas and then i would just like not be able to sleep at all but um not just that but like i felt sympathy pains for stupid crap that happened in horror movies that like yeah so anyway i had a group of friends that i thought were really cool and they all convinced me to watch this movie with them and uh I was horrified by it. <laughs> That's the, I did, yeah, that, I that appropriate response. Yeah, I thought it was good, but it was <clears throat> definitely very scary and upsetting for me. 
I'm trying to see when I first watched this because I found a discovery. The art uh, art director of this, Robert A. Burns, is the art director of uh, another horror movie from around the same time that I also had on rotation. The original Hills Have Eyes from '77, which mm. explains probably why I love that movie as much. Yeah, I think it's Craven's best movie. I almost picked that for this, but. Texas Chainsaw is shorter, which kind of is why I picked it. We saw it on the big screen. We saw a double feature, this one and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I'm trying to... That's the first time I ever saw this, oh, so I'm trying to... yeah. I'm trying to figure out when that was, a year or two ago? And it was gorgeous. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it is... It's There are still some visuals that are quite upsetting for me, but at the same time, like, visually, I have to say it's really amazing it's amazing yeah it's the um my letter on letterbox i my first review is this is a grindhouse movie that actually lives up to its title yeah yeah true aptly named yeah like the poster is crazy it's like yep the movie totally justifies the awesome title and awesome poster it's not it's not like a like, uh, oh, I got duped into watching the terrible uh, Al Abinson movie. Rest in peace. He, he's a, he's a, he made terrible movies, but he was also murdered in the 90s, and it went unsolved. So mm. I don't, don't like his as, a, as an artist, but I feel sorry that, that, uh, no, that I found his killer yet. You, you don't like his art, but you respect the man. Yes. For living the dream of being murdered. No. I understand. <laughs> Yes. What? No. no. Uh, some of the visuals in this, I remember when we saw it in the the big screen. Like I, I felt like we were seeing some like really artistic choices, you know, like close ups on on people's faces in a, in a way to frame it so that you're seeing like uh, either their point of view or a close up on them being horrified by something. Or something, you know, occurring to them. That whole sequence where, like, basically the last half an hour of the movie when uh, Sally, is that Sally? Yeah. Yeah, Sally. She's tied up in the chair, you know, and she's she just spends the whole time screaming. We, You know, we're getting closer to her face. It's cutting in between the family doing crazy crap. And then just eventually where it's just the close-up on the eye there. And you see the, like, the veins in her eye. Yeah. I feel, I feel very... That that felt very like Suspiria to me, like Argento-ish, and uh, for oh, me yeah. that's a huge compliment. But yeah. uh, I'm I'm not saying this is as close to my heart as Suspiria. But I I do think it's pretty plainly a horror masterpiece, if not just an indie film masterpiece. I feel like the lighting is a huge deal too. Like, there's that moment in the, like, field or whatever with the sun, like, coming through. I don't remember if that's, like, the beginning of the movie or when it happens. But there's, like, a moment where somebody's walking in, like, wheat or something or through a field. And you see, like, you see that, like, magical dust in sunlight that you can kind of see sometimes. Yeah. It's, like, captured by the lens. Mm -hmm. And... There's also some really terrifying artificial light when it's nighttime, too. 
Like, they really don't shy away from showing you things in this movie. It's not that kind of movie, but everybody's probably seen it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, uh, mainly effective, and, and there's no blood. Well, uh, let's let's talk about that. Well, there's so. one moment that I know it's blood, but like, like the the hook scene. Uh, uh, what? Uh, there, there's a lot of blood in this movie. <laughs> But it's not, I, like I, he, I, it's not like he's reading. hacking off limbs and like no no no. Uh, the diff, I, here's the here's the thing. The detail that they're talking about is you're not seeing like him. Yeah, you're not seeing him sever limbs. You're not. You never see a knife stab somebody. You know, there, yeah. there's parts where people like slide a blade and there's you know the fake blood and stuff like that. But you're not seeing like literally uh, anyone's head getting cut off. That that no. scene where. Leatherface has the girl on the hook and her boyfriend's already dead on the table and he starts up the chainsaw for the first time. He like is lowering it and you can't see where the boyfriend's head is. She's just reacting to it. So you get the idea that that violence is happening. But there is a lot of shots after violence has happened where people are covered in blood or has been splashed off and stuff like that. So there is a lot of blood in the movie. There's just not a lot of like on-screen violence. Yeah, like like it's either it's that and um, also in the hook scene, like there's the illusion of blood where like she's getting hanged up, where you see blood splattered on a wall behind her, which like gives like gives you like a, a like a subconscious cue of like oh this is a really horrible bloody scene. But it isn't. It's just it doesn't have to be blood on the wall. So it it so like your mind will assume like uh, when you think back on it. Oh, that was like you know uh, like a saw type kill or whatever. How did they do that? The girl on the hook. Did, he takes the saw over to her too, right? The chainsaw. No, um, he never. He doesn't do that after. Basically, uh, he cut the when he's you know. Supposed to be motioning to cut her boyfriend up. She's just screaming while, you know, reaching behind her, trying to do anything on the hook. And then we cut away from that scene. The next time we see that girl, she's in the freezer. Right, And right. Disco Stew walks in there. But the yeah. way that... The way that the bo- her body is moving and the way that she's on the hook... Yeah. Like, I don't know what exactly it is that they did, but it... It's so cringeworthy for me. It's like because you could. Im- I feel like you could imagine that's the image it. that that's the image that burned into my seventeen-year-old head. Yeah. Like I saw that body moving, and I was like, <laughs> maybe it was like, maybe it was because I've been fishing and stuff with my dad for my whole life <laughs> or whatever. Like I know what it looks like <laughs> when a fish is there. wriggling on a hook. Yeah, like, she's suspended in some way where it looks like this. Her center of gravity is exactly where the hook would. Yeah, to yeah, that is really. I don't know how it was done exactly, but it it is very effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, backwards. Yeah. Um. It's. That played by Terry, I don't know what you mean. She, Terry, Terry Mc, Terry McMen, and I she. I just wrote down her character named Pam. Yeah, um, for, I, I remember on the bonus features on the DVD I had, she was ashamed of this movie for a while, and tried to distance herself and didn't talk about it, but I think it was 2008, some horror con she showed up, and talk to the fans, so 
she's gotten over it. Like she realizes, it, like she was in actually a good movie. But uh, well, that's I, good. Yeah, I mean that happens to a lot of different people that do horror projects that's uh according to imdb she did not do another uh credited project until 2009 so it's it's almost like she wanted to slip into obscurity maybe after she did the movie she like had regretted doing it like was like i guess i don't want to be a a film star or something like that so she was like oh yeah i don't want to even talk about that movie but it's like uh, like i think about a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, right? Mm-hmm. And even to this day, Matthew McConaughey and Re- Renee Zellweger like don't even want their like pictures associated with the movie. It's like that's from what I hear, it's a terrible movie. But you know what? It's got fans all over the place who love it because of how bad it is, or they just enjoy it in, in a general sense. And it's like I saw it in the theater. I think you saw the next generation in the theater. I think so. This is a this is news. This is breaking news, people. So, what do you think about that robotic leg? Um, it's been a while. I don't know if I've ever <laughs> seen it again since. But Why would you? when did it come out? Uh, Late nineties, ninety four, I think. Yeah, year of Pulp Fiction. So ninety three, ninety four. Wait, 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 wait. I thought Pulp Fiction was Was there a remake of it later? There's a whole new separate series of remakes of Texas Chainsaw. So, I, Texas Chainsaw, yeah. I think it's there are five in a new series, five or six. Uh, I have no idea how the series follows through because, okay, so the first one, there's, there's one, there's Texas Chainsaw 2, there's Leatherface, colon, Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. 3, then there's technically part four texas chainsaw massacre the new gen or the next generation yeah that's the original series and then there's nothing for a while and then i think that's when we get into platinum dooms with the uh remake by the michael bay company yeah um, that was in the 2000s yeah that was i was in fifth grade i think when that came out so it was 2002 oh see 2002 and then that that had a sequel and then there was Texas Chainsaw 3D. Yeah, 3D. The beginning. And, and there was one that came out, I think, last year. That was like the origin story of Leatherface. Yeah, yeah that nobody nobody seems to have liked that one. It's got Lily Taylor in it. I think it's it's four it's four or five. I think there might be one we're missing. I saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, so the two thousand in the theater three version. The other I one I saw on video. I think. So that was a direct remake. Yeah. 2003. Yeah, the remake I saw once in high school, but I don't really remember much of it besides kind of being bored. Yeah, it it doesn't have the cool things that the orig- that this one has in it. It doesn't they just put some, you know, young girls in it that they thought people would find attractive. And Jessica Biel is in it. Yes. Uh, I think uh, she that said young she's girls one that of those. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and like all I remember is the girl hides a gun in her vagina and then kills herself. And that's yeah, kind of all everybody remembers. Yeah. I forgot about that actually. Oh, okay. And like uh, that happens, and then the rest of the movie is like, sure, I guess. Yeah. So okay. Well, let, let me get the official count here: one, two, three, four, five, six. 
There's, oh no, there's got to be more than that. This doesn't have all the uh, Texas movies listed. Uh, the most recent origin story one was called Leatherface. Okay. Again. Was Steven Dorf? I thought he was dead. Hmm. I didn't really think he was dead. I feel like this is like the urban legend that you always are afraid. Of. I he- I hear people talking about they saw The Exorcist or something and they couldn't sleep afterwards mm. or whatever. And th- I feel like this is that one for me because it's like once you've seen this movie, you can't unsee it. And it's like a little part of all the ghost stories or urban legends that you've heard about being out in the middle of nowhere where you don't know what all of your surroundings are. It's like, this is that, this is that, uh, nightmare fuel type situation. Mm. And like, I, I feel like it's, yeah, kind of a cautionary tale too, in a way, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And it manages to be this incredibly simple movie, but it, like, it looks like, it's kind of like we talked about Ozu before recording, but like with Ozu movies, you watch it and it's like, oh, I could make this. This looks real easy. But then you like learn more about the process of like how Ozu did. And it's like, oh no, that he like he went to every single little aspect to get right. And like t- this feels like Toby Hooper was like Toby Hooper was literally a part of like every aspect of trying to get every little detail right and it's full of us these small details where if you don't if you're not really paying attention it won't really uh fully uh, connect like that this is a uh like this is a masterpiece of this like indie filmmaking as it's like where like lightning happened to strike and it's a feel and it feels like and well i know for a fact like the actors talked about like the the dinner scene at the end smelled terrible and, like, so much of the set, just, like, it's this rough, hot Texas summer. And it's, like, everyone was not enjoying this. They are sort of are in it. And, like, no, we're going to we're gonna give 100% and not fuck it up and, you know, try to get to make the best that best, make the best of the situation. Right. And they really succeeded. Totally, totally. It's, de- it's deceptively like it seems you're totally right it seems simple but then the more you look at it the more you're like no they had to do all of this just right in order for it to all work the way that it does um because yeah it's kind of deceptive yeah i mean just thinking about it like in a context as a a filmmaker cinematographer or whatever the the scene where uh, the dude, well, all the van scenes were hot, and yeah. the AC probably wasn't that great, and the cameraman were in the car. It was in the seventies. Yeah, and like uh, like all the dudes, like their shirts are like basically unbuttoned the whole time because it's a it's a hundred degrees basically. Also, it's the seventies. Yeah, or at least a hundred degrees, probably over a hundred degrees is Texas. And, um, well, I'm not Everybody's sure. Everybody's covered in sweat, and yeah, it's like you can tell it was an uncomfortable situation, like aside from like imagining you're in this horrifying, like it, you're stuck out in the middle of a 
of a death trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was talking about the shot. Okay, so Kirk is the other guy. Kirk and Pam are basically the pair. And like, uh, if you if you're saying that if, if this is a cautionary tale, this is a cautionary tale of a. If somebody tells you at the gas station tells you you don't want to go to a place, you probably shouldn't go to a place. Yeah. B. Don't just go exploring other people's yards. You don't know when there might be a man wielding a chainsaw and a you know hammer. But anyways, yeah. Kirk goes into the house because the door opens. And the the shot is done from this hallway. You know, to the left, there's an open yeah. area, like a living room. To, to the left, to the left. You don't Everything I own in a box, to the left. In, in the very back, you know, on the right, there's the staircase that goes up to the... the Joel, acknowledge my Beyonce reference. I'm not going to acknowledge that. <laughs> okay. She's not the first person to say, to the left, to the left. Everything I own in a box, to the left, in my closet. That's my stuff. <laughs> You don't remember? Okay, you don't remember. Don't good you meets. ever for a second? <laughs> I don't listen to music. Irre- thinks that you're irreplaceable. <gasps> what are you guys talking about? Can I finish that? that? Okay, it, it's her okay. big hit from when I was fifteen. I was uh, in high school. Or it was early high school when that song came out. They're still playing that song. Pro- yeah, probably. I hear it in T-Mobile's when I'm working. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so if you look straight to the back, though, there's all this taxidermy-like severed animal heads on the walls, and it's a bright red room, you know. It's a fresh-looking room. It looks like almost like you could go into it and there'd be a whole, like, parlor. So he walks in, and the camera angle is not watching him do anything else except for walk into this house because, you know, they're looking for somebody for absolutely no reason. And when he gets back there, you know, he's hearing he's hearing that pig sound that Leatherface makes, although you don't know it's Leatherface. And as he walks through the door, then the camera finally changes to an angle where you, you see Leatherface a little bit close up. And he I love Leatherface in this movie mm-hmm. because he's like a, he's like a scared child. Like, I know he's the guy, the giant guy with the chainsaw. Yeah. But every time he sees somebody, he is so surprised. He's like, oh, I hit this guy with a hammer. Like what? And the, like after he takes <laughs> you got care, the drop on me. after he takes care of Disco Stu, the third guy, he actually has to go sit by the window, being like, "Oh my god, all these people keep coming into my house. This sucks." <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah. I was hoping you bring that moment up too. Like it's like I, I always forget the moment of contemplation. I'm like, man, what's going on today? <laughs> like, and I think it has to do with him, like, knowing his brother's going to be home and he's he's easy, he's quick to anger. So, or I don't know if it's his brother or his brother, uh, His no. dad. Yeah. It's the well, dad, two sons, oh, and grandpa. God, I'm, I'm not going to explain these three people. I'm not going to, I got him, I got him, but oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he's a child. Like, uh, um, Gunnar Hansen went to a sanitarium to observe people with mental disabilities. Mm. Uh, to like know how they behave, uh, to to play to play Leatherface. Yeah, and uh, like it's, it's pretty clear Leatherface has some mental deficiencies, and his brother, the hitchhiker, also has some real deficiencies. Like his brother is like the, the, does not understand social cues at all. Yeah, that's another another thing. He seems like disappointed when he find when he realizes he's crossed a line, you know, in the back of the van. 
He's like, oh, a knife, huh? What if I cut myself? This is pretty cool. Guy- oh, guys, guys, you're not with me anymore? Oh, man. <laughs> now I have to do something really crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, from the perspective of Leatherface, it's like, oh, my God, all these people are coming into my house to kill me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't order this. <laughs> Self-defense. Oh, yeah, stand your ground. It's Texas, after all. Yeah, yeah, it is Texas. Mm-hmm. Nothing illegal. Don't just going go on up here. to people's houses; they'll shoot you or whatever. I well, there, there are no guns in this, weirdly enough, which I never really realized. Yeah, yeah. The only they the like it, it kind of makes a fact of like talking about how they don't like that way. You know, when they pass by the slaughterhouse and he's like, you know. I'm, I know they use that bolt gun now to speed up the thing and and hitchhikers like oh that's not the way that's not the good way to do it you know it's everything's hammer so uh but I mean he has no problem using a chainsaw I guess that's just more convenient than yeah. hacking away I feel like it's kind of a cautionary tale in the way that like these hippie kids that are like out just kind of exploring and you know the free love vibe of the 70s and stuff and i feel like it's like no like you can't just walk around doing whatever you want to Mm -hmm. because there are insane people that will kill you like i feel like it's kind of a cautionary tale of just feeling free or whatever to just explore wherever you want and do whatever you want yeah without fear and there's always that like the boogeyman of like, well, don't go too far and don't, uh, like, I don't know, like, 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 un- like, understand where you are and be respectful. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, it's kind of, I don't know, like, it's, it's so simple that you can apply a lot of, like, different, like, themes over it. Like, there's the whole thing of, like, I see it as, like, it's about a, a, a family that's impoverished because a slaughterhouse closed down and they need simply need to survive and they survive by selling human meat. Like that's all these, uh, that's because like there's mention of, uh, the dad, like, uh, he comes home, not comes home uh, after Marcelli runs to the gas station before he leaves, he turns up the light and says, Oh, the bill might be a little too high. And, uh, and just this whole thing of like, the gas is a little late and he's out of gas and like, uh, you see just how run down his store is in his home is. So it's the whole thing of co- almost commenting like on poverty of like the lower class a little bit too. No, they're just crazy. <laughs> Joel. Yeah. No, I'm just and I, well, and, no. and, uh, I also heard like some people see us as like, a a dark version of like the nuclear family. Of, like, the 60s. Yeah, I guess I... The family is so f***ed up. And it's like, you don't know who started it, if it was back in the grandpa generation or what, but, like, in order for them to all effectively coexist in this family in this way... There's some messed up stuff that happened. And we don't know exactly... And there are like, no women. How did they get here? Yeah, yeah. who birthed yeah, them? That's not true. There, there's one. There's one woman. She's well, upstairs there's... with Grandpa. Well, she's been dead for a while. Ah. Uh. 
Well, you know, psycho. They make it work. Maybe they killed the ladies for meat. Skin uh, they, they just they found somebody new and they moved on you know it's, it happens sometimes maybe she moved yeah. in with a neighbor since this is where uh, their grandpa's you know place was before this gives me an incestual vibe too for no particular outright reason it just kind of does give me that like backwoods like creepy like and the and the fact that they're still in this house together, all of them doing this crazy stuff. Well, they have to make money, so you know, sell human meat. It's family, okay? Family. Okay, it's about the small business owner. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I could be full. Of- I don't know. No. Some people say it's about vegetarianism. Like it, it, it I don't know. It's it's a simple, flexible premise that could apply to. You know, a whole bunch of things, if you really think about it. It sounds like someone needs to make a Room 247 version of this movie, where it's like, as you can see, the Minotaur is eating a baby in the background. (laughs) If you, you know, dream sequences. They're missing a baby in this movie. They could have had an evil baby, too. They have an evil baby. It's Grandpa. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Cut that finger, suckle on it. Yeah, I love Grandpa's little dance, which I never noticed until... This viewing. <laughs> he's excited. Yeah, where he's just like, you know, he's trying to dance in his little chair. Just, he get, he, he's, you know, living life. He's alive. Yeah. And, and I love that the moment, that's when you realize, oh, he's alive. Which kind of throws us into, like, like fantasy territory almost, where it's like, how, how is that creature alive exactly? Because, <laughs> like, well, he's, he's so withered and... Like, he, but, he's dressed, but he's dressed like a 1920s gangster almost. With like, cause you see a shot of his shoes at one point, and he, he his shoes are like this, these pristine like 1920s like uh, like gangster like got gangster shoes. If you if you remember that part, does he have spats on them? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think of. It's like these, like it's like it compared to what everyone else he is this dressed so much fancier, and it's like oh, they clearly you know. Take care of him and shine his shoes and clean his and like clean his suit and stuff. That like just makes me think like vampire, like because they give him the blood, like and and the fact that he's just like in stasis, like in this old outfit for so long, like you think he's a statue. You know what it made me think of? Nothing but trouble. Hmm. That's not good. The whole dinner scene. You got some mutant twins out in their their big junkyard. I mean, that's I I I know nothing but trouble is supposed to make you think of Texas Chainsaw because it's once again they're driving in the the boondocks of uh, New Jersey. Yeah, I don't know someplace not, and then they end up in the yeah gross house or whatever. I mean, there's tons of other things that reference this. There's like a Tom Petty music video where like Alice in Wonderland is being like cut up as a cake and everybody's eating her. Like, I feel like it's totally a callback to this. No, it's just because Tom Petty liked to eat girls. <laughs> yeah. He, he was opposite of, uh, DJ Cali. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, uh, another, like this movie's kind of like a response to the end of the sixties and seventies, which mm-hmm. means it's a, it's a little bit out of time because like, the whole hitchhiking, free love kind of thing ended pretty quickly during, like, the whole Zodiac, like, killer thing. And his his whole thing was, 
at the end of the 60s, a little bit into the 70s. And, like, that's when people are like, you can't trust, you can't just, like, drive around, you can't trust a stranger or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, terrible things can happen to you. And, yeah. and so now, they, uh, they work that yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, going back to the vampire thing, Franklin, the wheel, the one in a wheelchair, he does uh, oh, talk about. favorite character, Franklin? Yeah, I love that they make the handicapped character the, the most unlikable asshole, which like most filmmakers would not do. <laughs> but I had more sympathy for Franklin this time mm-hmm. uh, because, like, seriously, they they do just kind of like forget about him, and yeah. like that his opening scene is incredibly bar- embarrassing. Like, are you supposed to be the comedy relief, buddy? Because you were pissing into a coffee can and then a truck drew by, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Yeah, but um, he he keeps talking about Dracula's, so like that ties into the whole blood sucking thing where Grandpa's dancing. Yes, I hadn't realized that, but yes, and I mean this is I. It's kind of based on something, isn't it? Uh, Ed Gein, just like Psycho, although this is like Psycho's trashy cousin, basically. So what was the actual real story? Ed Gein was just a man. I, I don't know if he lived in Texas. but uh, Wisconsin. There you go. He he, uh, uh, he killed and ate people, I believe. He definitely ate some people. He made furniture out of their clo- or out of their skin and bones and, and stuff like that. And <laughs> it's like people didn't know about his crime for a long time until somebody... Uh, I think that was not from the town went missing or something like that. And then they finally caught him and they, you know, he had like a gruesome house full of just like, you know, lampshades and, yeah, and he, a bunch of body parts in his, his And he uh, was just, you know, box. he was just like the local guy. Hey, it's Mr. Ed, not yeah, the horse. The you know, he's just, you know, people had, like most serial killers, he was, you know, charming and nobody oh, had any guy. clue. <laughs> nope. Yep. He was just nice. You know, just like, Ed. There's Ed. Like, uh, like, like Casey. You know, he's a clown. He likes, uh, you know, young Filipino men. Nothing wrong with that. What am I, clown now? I amuse you. Was Casey the one who liked Filipino dudes? No, I thought that was uh, uh, uh Jeremy Renner. <laughs> okay, I know one of them was in like, like young Asian men and killed them. What was, that that? was What like, was the murderer Jeremy Renner play? <laughs> Uh, I think Gate. No, I forgot one of them. So, the real life person inspired this and, uh, <clears throat> like Hannibal Lecter. Oh yeah, and Psycho and uh, yeah, Ed Gein kind of helped birth horror, like American horror, basically. Dahmer is that the one Pretty I'm thinking terrible. of? Yeah, Dahmer. Yeah, I'm not sure who was the uh, the person who liked Filipino boys. Ah. Uh. I think this movie starts out scary, so if he was trying to be funny, he already failed off of that point. Because just this sound, like the black screen, Yeah. A- after John Larroquette, you know, serenades us into uh, our feeling of safety. And, and he is paid in, uh, like, bags of weed, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just don't know who to believe on that. Like, it says that that's he the- said that, but then I heard that he didn't say that, and that's just, like, a rumor, so I'm not sure. Who knows? Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but, uh, you know, it starts off in the dark and you're, like, hearing somebody, like, digging and, like, shaking things. And then it's got the, like, the bulb sound. 
you know, you see the the horrifying images of like a, a. I remember it being a lot grosser. I think it wasn't as gross this time because we've been watching Bones on uh, Amazon Prime. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, it's just a regular old dead body. But like, I guess the the hitchhiker guy digs up bodies and makes art out of it. Yeah. Human remains. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Just like to make sculptures out of dead bodies. Yeah. And like the, the, the their whole radio broadcast talking about horrible, bizarre crimes, mm. and they say that humanity is like ninety ninety eight uh, percent. So I guess it is East Texas, like Dallas. It has to be a Dallas area. I'm not sure in Fort Worth and uh, the like the Dallas side apparently is super humid, where like San Antonio side is not. It's so hot. It would be so. F- Hot. I don't know when they shot this, but you it was hot for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you could feel the heat off the screen. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen this dozens of times and I still like get sweaty watching it because it's mm-hmm. just it it's a, the heat is captured so well. And like not many movies can capture heat like or where it's palpable. Like yeah. do the right thing. Like, like that captures heat very well, and uh, a Japanese um, stray dog, stray dog captures heat really well, and Onibaba, this uh, great Japanese horror movie from the '60s, captures heat really well. But Bad like, draft. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like this, like I, I, I don't want to go to Texas in the summer because of this movie. It just looks so, so awful to be there. Yeah, it. I've only been to Texas a couple times, but it is really hot. Like, even when it's not right in summer. Well, I don't want to go to Texas because I assume they're all Chainsaw Massacre people or they're all uh, uh, Waco people, and I'm not talking about the Fixer Upper people. Oh, uh, you Waco mean uh, the Woody Harrelson's dad? Yeah, Woody Harrelson's dad. What? Wardy Helton's dad was a, a Waco area hitman who I think killed three people and got. Um, wow. I'm talking about Koresh or whatever. Okay. No, look it up. Wardy Helton's dad. I think. Waco. I think his dad got the death penalty. Well, it's about time. Yeah, look at it's really crazy. Like what his dad was up to. I like Cody Harrelson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, I like the intro where, you know, there's a whole, like, Star Wars crawl thing. And, like, at first, like, first time I saw this, I remember thinking, like, if this is lame, they're gonna, they're telling you this is a crazy movie. But, like I said earlier, it actually delivers, like, the, like, the, the crawl in the beginning is a good indicator of, you're gonna get something a little kooky. And, uh, I love that ghost does the, the, the camera flash with like the it must isolate isolate that sound and like amplify it because it just sounds so unnatural and like almost like cosmic like it makes me think of space it sounds like something <clears throat> is in pain very suddenly like boom you know yeah. and then you get uh, the sun flare footage which just adds to like the like what is happening yeah. yeah. And they're talking about heat, so, like, that is adding to, like, the subliminal effect of, like, they're talking about heat, and you see, like, this the sun flares that's bouncing off the sun, 
And like it's just so brilliant that beginning. It's kind of what they what they choose to give you and what they choose to not give you. Like they give you ju- you're like in this you're being funneled into like this experience. Like a like a cow in a slaughterhouse. Totally. Oh my gosh. Totally. I yeah. mean Okay, so let's talk about this plot here things that uh bother me. So mm-hmm. When they pull up to the gas station, mm-hmm. that's uh, post, you know, hitchhiker situation. Obviously, they didn't turn around. I, I don't no. know if I would have done that. I, I probably would have turned around. But uh, that guy, you know, the old, he's credited as old man. You know, mm-hmm. he's telling them like, oh, you don't want to go there. Cause you don't want to take those young ladies there. Like, that's. I, I feel like he was trying to get them not to go to the house, and I don't think it was because he was trying to cover up a crime or anything like that. I feel like he was almost trying to protect them at that point. But later, you know, he's he's off his rocker just as much as the other ones, although he yeah. says he doesn't like to kill. You know? Yeah. I think this is our, our, all part of the trap of him being like, oh, you don't want to go there, trying to entice people to go, you know, and go encounter his two weird sons, or his one weird son in this case. Well, he was expecting it to be two weird. He didn't know that the hitchhiker was out. That's why he was so mad at him. Like, oh, yeah, look true. at what he did. He broke the door. <laughs> like, I, like, that's a part of the comedy. Like, this him freaking, him being a kind of a dad. Yeah. Like, like it, it feels like sitcom almost. Like, the interactions of him being a father. Where he's like, oh, what are you kids doing out of that work? I find that so eerie and upsetting. It's like mm. it, they are trapped in this no way out situation. They're all going to die. They feel they're like, I'm going to die. There's nothing I can do. And they're sitting around bantering like it's the like a normal day of the week. Like, you know, regular regular um conversation for them and just and i i think that would push me over the edge if i were in that situation i think that the fact that they were living their daily life as if like this was normal would be the thing that would make me the most terrified because it's so this it's so not normal you know yeah. I think it adds insult to injury. I think you're being classist here. I, you, we don't know what's normal for people in such a, <laughs> a lower hour. <laughs> do, uh, do you like when they go to the house and you see like that crazy shot of the, like this a cluster of spiders in the corner? I'm afraid of spiders, but I think it's a good shot. I do too, but that shot always freaks me out and I hate it every time I see it. I always forget when it's going to happen. Yeah, I just I like that they have a at the uh, at the house the Texas Chainsaw House mm-hmm. that they have a chicken in a cage that yes. I think is just their pet. They give it respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's I another mean, tons, but, tons that's of a, animal <laughs> bones around, so who knows? But yeah, that's another funny moment I like where like she's freaking out and screaming, and there's just a slow zoom in on a chicken in a cage, <laughs> just being a chicken. <laughs> That's you. You're a chicken in a cage now, chicken baby. POV. Hey, what's like, that chicken up to? I, I, I like that's one of the funny moments too. Of like this, 
it, it's an insane situation. And then there's a chicken in a cage. And like, that's like, like a point of, so like, it's trying like a point of terror, but it's so stupid and, and random. Yeah, wait, wait a minute. There's a chicken over here that's experiencing <laughs> this. Mm-hmm. How does he feel? <laughs> hey, I wanted to know. Yeah. Like the chicken cool. gets his own little moment of like the zoom in of like, well, yeah, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's an important part of the movie apparently, but it, it comes to nothing, which I think is another joke of like, why is there a chicken here that thought they eat people? Well, if you could hear that chicken's internal monologue, it was like, oh no, not again. Because <laughs> they got all those cars, so it's like, obviously, a whole bunch of people have stopped over here. This chicken's seen some. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you think those are those are cars of past victims or, like, Absolutely. car? I mean, okay. they, they don't spell it out, but I think that's what we're supposed to, uh, yeah, we're okay. supposed to get from it. I've always thought that, but... I wasn't sure if, like, there's kind of white trash and have a shit ton of cars. And, like, oh, yeah. when, when little the, column A, little column B. When, when are the uh, American pickers going to show up and go through their stuff? That's what I want to know. Well, unfortunately, the, the house burned down, I think, over ten years ago. <laughs> wow, you've got an That's original 1970s people. How much are you looking to get for this? <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk to you about some stuff we're trying to buy? Mm-hmm. I got this flyer here. <laughs> <laughs> what about the live chicken? How much would you? How much would that cost? No, no, no. If you watch that show, Frank has already eaten that chicken. That chicken's, chicken's not for, <laughs> chicken for sale. Yeah. No, no price for that. Pricelesschicken.com. Um. <laughs> Maybe that's another argument for the vegetarian thing, like. Like, the chicken mm-hmm. is alive in the cage, and all these people are getting killed. Like, yeah. meat is murder. I mean, that's yeah. what they're saying. Vegetarianism, right? That's what Spencer was saying earlier. Yeah. Uh, so, do you feel like this is a flawless movie, in your opinion? Um, no, there are some, like, little things here and there that, are, that I don't think... Uh, well, Some nitpicks? Mm. Yeah, like more just nitpicky stuff. Mm. I have to say, after this this watching, I felt like the the last thirty minutes, like I said, where Sally is just tied up and they're just they're just being goofy goobers, you know, like ah, we're gonna do, you know, we're gonna feed you. Oh no, but get ready, Grandpa's gonna do a thing. It, it felt overly long to me. Like at a point, it was no longer like I'm feeling the terror, I'm feeling scared. You you get used to it. Because it's like, well, they're not going to do anything bad. And then I think it does ramp up again when they are doing the hammer scene, mm-hmm. which I'm sure somebody thinks is funny. But, like, I, that is horrifying to me. The idea that, like, she knows that this is going to happen. It keeps going near her head over and over again until it actually strikes her. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't like that part. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, I think he's trying to have it both ways in that scene of it's, uh, it's like it's a joke because it's going on for so long like uh like what's yeah. it and yeah, at the same time it's like oh but it's also torture. <clears throat> torture like and it's actually like like compared like the software and tries like the torture in that little moment works so much better than you know all the saw movies 
Well, I think that's an unfair comparison. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, like during the night chase sequence, that has another moment that always gets me. That uh, I always I know it's coming, but I always forget when exactly it's going to happen. It's when the uh, uh, Franklin gets killed, and when yeah, change. That's, yeah, I'd say that's the only jump scare in the movie. And oh, every, yeah, and every time that gets me, and like it doesn't matter if I if I look at my phone for a second, like I will jump every single time, and I always misremember it. Where like blood splatters on, uh, either on the camera or on the on Sally, or on like the flashlight. Yeah, but I don't know where I got that from. But for some reason, I always think that happens. I feel like that I I've seen that image happen on something else <clears throat> where blood like gets on the flashlight, but that's not yeah yeah that's yeah. that's a good example of a scene where you fill in the blank there because yeah he appears before. Franklin in his wheelchair, and you know, you see him bring down the chainsaw, but you're not seeing contact, you're not seeing blood flying or anything like that. You know, eventually we just switch to Sally running for her life and yeah. and Leatherface running after her through the trees. Yeah, and like during that whole sequence before he jumps out, you hear the chainsaw, but you mm-hmm. aren't sure where it's coming from. You just know it's nearby. Part. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that part, hearing the chainsaw, and then you're just like, somebody is going to come kill you right now. Like, they aren't slowing down. Like, there's just, yeah, that that part where you hear the chainsaw coming, you're like, what is that sound at first? And then you're like, it's a chainsaw. And then you're like, this person isn't stopping. They're just going to keep going. Yeah. And they're like the part where they find a generator earlier on. Uh, this is all over. If you're listening to this, this is kind of all over the place, but you've you probably seen a movie, and there's not much actual plot to yeah. like break down. It's like, regardless, but like, do you see a generator part earlier on where they hear it, and that's a good precursor of like, what's that like weird mechanical sound? Like, oh, it's just just a generator, and that like kind of prepares you for like the chainsaw for when at first when you hear it in the background, you're like, oh, it's probably just a generator. Yeah. And then, you know. Well, I think that that's like leading into Kirk being stupid here because it's like, hey, what's that sound? Like, you, like, first of all, who cares? But he goes over and he finds out it's a generator and he also sees all those abandoned cars in the same area. It's like, okay, but there's no reason to go to that other house and start knocking on the door, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I saw all those cars, I would turn around and be gone. Like, if I saw those cars, I would just be like, this isn't where I want to be. Unless I saw, like, a neighbor, and then I'd be like, hey, man, there's a cool car collection or something like that. And he was like, ah! No, I mean, uh, he was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a different thing. <laughs> but uh, Kirk, Kirk can't stop himself. I'm totally into urban exploration, too, and I'm totally... I I took photography in college. That was, like, my focus, and we used to get extra credit for trespassing for one of my classes. Oh. Like, oh, your was, teacher wanted you to do illegal things. He, we were just being told to kind of think outside of the boundaries or whatever, and so lot. I've kind of wandered a lot in areas that were maybe <laughs> not really supposed to be wandered in, mm-hmm. and it's really fun and it's really interesting, but, like, you start to learn, like, things 
from like just kind of shady situations and like in this movie it would just be the terrain is a nightmare that you're trying to run away from someone in but like if i saw all those abandoned cars and no other houses around i would just be like hmm I don't like this, and I would leave, even if I wanted to take pictures of the car. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, they were just uh, young people on an adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, uh, during a night chase after the jump, the jump scare, and, like, she runs to, uh, you, like, see, short, uh, where is it? So, you see the house in the background at a certain point, and it's surrounded by darkness, and, like, the light of the house is only light, and it feels... It kind of adds to, like, the beginning thing, where it, it doesn't feel like it's human, like what's happening in the movie. Where, like, this all the light... And, you, and like, the whole light surrounded by complete darkness just feels weird. Almost, like, surreal. Where it's yeah. like, where are we? Where it's completely dark. Yeah. And like, yeah, surreal. Yeah, it's totally surreal to just see it, like, in the middle of nowhere with just this one light. And I kind of feel like that's that visual is something that people use as, like, a way to feel safe. Like, oh, it's a... It's an island in the middle oh, of nowhere. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a lighthouse. lighthouse. Yeah, exactly. it's... Yeah. Oh, I found something. But it's, like, the worst possible thing you could ever find. <laughs> yeah, like, the only refuge that, that Sally has is... The place where she will probably get slaughtered like a like a cattle, like cattle. So. Yeah. But yeah, I never found that uh, symbolism there. But like the dark using darkness reminded me of certain scenes in the idiot, the Kurosawa movie that me and Joel talked about uh, on our podcast, where like there are a couple scenes in the later half where uh, like it's just completely dark and you see people just walk into. The darkness and it's like it's like they walk into like a vo- uh, like an endless void and like they literally like are disappear into the darkness that's creepy the darkness of russia in japan well it's the listen to the episode i'm the idiot i am I, did, I don't recall doing this okay <laughs> maybe talk to alistair about it i don't remember yeah that guy but, uh, like, the the camera angles of this remind me, like, the way it's shot remind me of, like, an old-school Resident Evil game, where it's these very predatory angles where it's, like, uh... You can't see what is, what's around yeah. the corner. Like, yeah, it's like... Forced perspective. Yeah, that's that's what makes that whole, uh, that entryway, uh, one I was talking about so good, you know, when you can't... <laughs> You don't know Leatherface is just right there around the corner because you're only seeing straightforward. Then he's just, he's so surprised. It's funny, we just watched I Know What You Did last summer because Joel had never seen it before. Oh, I feel sorry for you. (laughs) And I was thinking that it's totally a callback to this house with Leatherface Mm -hmm. when they go to Anne Heche, her house. Yeah, she's the country, the main, the main country bumpkin. They're like in Maine, aren't they, or something? I like don't that. know. It doesn't it doesn't make much sense. That she's movie. Like, is, she's like wearing a potato sack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that movie is uh, one I watched once when I was sixteen, and 
I I vow to never watch it again because I found it so boring. Yeah, you should watch it again. It's pretty. No, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, it has Delaware's Ryan Phillippe, but eh, who cares? Oh God, I thought you only wanted good things from Delaware. Uh, we have Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza now, so that's an improvement. Whoa! And yeah. John Gallagher Jr., who she I dated know. briefly. I don't know who that is. He's the, the uh, he's the guy in the Cloverfield movie with John Goodman. Oh, he's the uh, the hobo. <laughs> yeah, he's the he's the other guy there. The scrappy looking guy with a broken arm. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a rule. Yeah, they apparently dated when she was in college, I think. But he's also grew up in Delaware too. Mm. You don't have any local murderers out there. Uh, if they are, they're getting away with it. Okay. Well, the normal, the normal kind of murderer. Yeah. Have you seen any of the... You were saying you've seen the remake. Uh, yeah. But have you seen any of the other stuff, too? Um, no. The 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 first... The real sequel kind of turned me off from wanting to watch other ones at the time. But I want to see... The third one has Ken Forey, who was in George Romero stuff. And he's the dad from Keenan and Kel. And he's in Rob Zombie stuff. So I like Ken Forey, the... Uh, he's a black man if you couldn't pick up on uh, the references there but I like Ken Forey a lot so he's in the third one and that's still Toby Hooper and the other sequels to the reboot I have not bothered with hey, you've seen you said you saw the 2003 yes the, I saw the, yeah I saw the 94 one and or whatever it was and I saw the 2003 one in the theater I feel like I think the reason I thought I saw the 2003 one earlier than that was because I think I may have seen it in Fillmore or someplace. Jeez, you might have seen it with my friends because my friends were always talking about it. Really? Like at the, the, the opening scene with I the probably girl did. shooting herself in the head and stuff like that. It's like back then I didn't watch horror movies, so I wouldn't have seen it mm. with them. But yeah. They were talking about that like it was a crazy thing. But I did, I did not. Mm. I've only seen this one. Yeah, I, it's kind of like with ho- like Halloween, where I like the Rob Zombie remakes. I, I like Rob Zombie movies in general because it's kind of like the modern day grindhouse director. But he movies are a little too long. That's my issue with him. But besides that, like I watched his Halloween movies and the original Halloween. I kind of never bothered with other ones except the weird third one. Mm. I like two. I know that's not a very popular opinion among horror nerds, but I I think one and two will work just fine. Like, yeah, because John Harper isn't he still involved with the second one? And then he kind of was like, eh. Yeah, fuck he wasn't this. the director. He was, I think, he like you know, at least had some writing done in it. Yeah, you know, then it gets all mystical, and Paul Rudd shows up, and it's like, why is this happening? Who cares? No, Paul Rudd is fine. What are you talking about? Okay, well, it's like his first movie. Yes, he did that and <clears throat> Clueless the same year. Yeah. And one of them, he was he was uh, credited as Paul Rudd, and the other one, it's like Paul A. Rudd or something like that. Hmm. So, that's how you knew he was going to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> Are you feeling like you want to touch on some... Do you have a, any questions or anything? No, I was getting ready to wrap it up. Okay. okay. I oh. just wanted to say that I, I feel like... 
this because it's a horror movie that um, people who are horror nerds have seen it and they know that it's a good movie. I feel like people don't who aren't horror nerds wouldn't take a chance on this because it's just one of those horror movies and it's just violent and stuff like that. And I think if you're a film nerd, you should definitely take a chance yeah. on this thing because I think the sound design is on par with like uh, Dave Lynch sound design. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like I can't well, like those are like this and like uh, like Twin Peaks and like uh, Blue Velvet are like the the best use of sound design I've pretty much heard like ever because like Toby Hooper in this magical like movie I captured it is just pitch perfect the sound design like it does the heavy lifting because without it if it was even slightly off this would be a forgettable kind of meh movie that no one would care about I think it has a lot of other things going for it yeah (laughs) but I feel like the sound design really helps build the dread and like the bizarre like sense of like uh, this like this isn't human like these this shouldn't be happening yeah yeah that's true anxiety inducing is there anything else you wanted to say no i think i'm good okay i mean i really enjoyed talking about it it's a it's a good movie even though in a way for me it's a bad movie too because if somebody were to say like oh it's a violent horror movie yeah it is a high it is a violent horror movie but it's also a pretty it's a good movie like in terms of cinematography and well sound done. and yeah, yeah it's just very well done um yeah like a good barbecue <laughs> yeah i wouldn't eat any of that stuff and not because i know it's human flesh now it's because it doesn't it doesn't look like meat that you should be eating it's yeah, like, like mobs. it looks like like one scene looks like a mushroom. Like I don't know, it, it doesn't look appealing. That that yeah. meat, Fle- fleshy bulbs. Like what kind of meat is this? How did you get <laughs> it into this shape? I don't know. Eat it. <laughs> like no. <sighs> what about you? Anything else you want to say? Oh, oh. Uh, there's a lot of imagery of meat, bone, and machinery, which is a. I like that touch where it's like, oh yeah, this was like the art, like we didn't touch the art direction. The art direction is very thought out, thought out, not thought out. Well, it's thought out because it's Texas, but like it's, you see a lot of like bone structures and like, they're like a, a, a skeleton sofa and like, you get like a, there's a, I think a face lamp of like yeah, someone's face. Lamp, yeah. And it's just like all this really brilliant art design and imagery. I was like rough, rusted old machinery and bones and meat which just adds to like the whole gross atmosphere of everything yeah the house is filthy but the kitchen's very nice somebody spent a lot of time cleaning up that kitchen yeah and Leatherface has put on some makeup too oh she yeah he just put on a different face one that already had makeup on it yeah and also like the whole when there's close-ups on Leatherface or grandpa it's very creepy because you can clearly see it's a mask yeah. And like it's this, this unsettling of like what's underneath their like what's underneath that because like you see their eyelids move underneath the mask, and it's yeah. just like skin crawling. Is yeah, seeing that small detail? So gross to see the other like skin moving under the skin, and then um, and Leatherface oh, yeah. has one set of eyelashes. 
on his normal mask, which is, I hate that detail. It's so gross. Yeah. Maybe the other set of eyelashes wasn't very good. Yeah, you just clip away the extra parts. Sure, I guess. I was gonna say we uh, we did Death Laid an Egg with you not that long ago, and that yeah. has the like chicken connection. Oh but yeah, it also has the like slaughterhouse connection too. Yeah, huh. Spencer, Spencer only wants to be on movies <laughs> that have chicken. You know? <laughs> I never even thought of that connection. Well, at least no dogs died this time. Right. <laughs> as far as I know. Uh, did Give you guys as many people as you want. <laughs> do you guys prefer this or death laid an egg uh no i i prefer this over death laid an egg but okay that's the correct answer yeah okay and Sa- sarah re- might be the watchability yeah. um probably death laid an egg but i know that this is a much more significant movie in terms of art and history in film yeah it was made, made for under a million dollars, and it made like $30 million. Yeah, like Brian De Palma saw it on a, like a grindhouse and was like, this is fucking great. This needs to be seen by everyone. Because like before that, Hooper was, was basically a nobody from Texas, and no one thought much of this, and Brian De Palma was the one who helped spread the word. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm going to read outro stuff. You guys think of a lesson you learned from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I don't want to know the lesson. Lesson is don't eat it unless you know what kind of meat it is. Sorry, I already took that one. Nobody else take that one. All right. Hey, listener, if you want to message us, you can message us on Facebook, facebook.com slash PDSMIOS, or our email address, which is please don't podcast at gmail.com. Also on Twitter, at Outer Space Pod. If you like what you hear, we are part of an audio network called Ear Trumpet Audio at eartrumpetaudio.com. There's lots of other great shows available on there, like the podcast to Grayskull. I keep bringing them up because they, they keep putting out so much fun episodes. You know, they're going episode by episode through the He Man, uh, original He Man series from the 80s. And they're. They pick apart, you know, like the animators that worked on the different things, talk about the history. Like, it's really good. Like, they're, they're very thorough when they talk about the episodes. And I highly recommend that. That's on iTunes, uh, wherever you get your regular podcasts. And uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, yeah. iTunes. Hey, have you gone to iTunes and given us a rating, a star rating? It takes two seconds. Seriously. It's really easy to do. And that will... Make me happy. It'll make Sarah happy. Sarah's not very happy right now. You know why? Because you didn't rate us on iTunes. Just take a second to do that, please, listener. Thank you in advance. If you want to hear more of Spencer and me talking about Japanese movies, because, wait, we haven't done that on here. What am I talking about? Oh, no, Face of Another. We did that. Uh, We have a podcast called High and Low, a Kurosawa podcast. What's that all about, Spencer? Oh, we pick we take a Kershaw movie and we pair with another Japanese movie from the same year and we talk about them and do special episodes in between, like the one on Joe Shishido, who has these puffy chipmunk cheeks and was in a bunch of Yakuza movies. Mm-hmm. You know, we have one coming up with uh, Tony Stella, the poster artist on Sword of Doom. 
Yeah, we've had a lot of fun guests on that one. You know, Gina Radcliffe from the Kill by Kill podcast. Yeah, who, uh, uh, Gina met Ed, Edwin Neal, who played Hitchhiker, at some thing years ago. At her bar mitzvah. Wait, bat mitzvah? What do ladies have? Bat mitzvah. There you go. She's not Jewish. Oh. No, uh, but like she met Ed, Edwin Neal and they talked about symbolism and poster art. That's cool. Yeah. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but, you know, a former guest. he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of good stuff to listen to. If you're into horror, listen to the episode on House, which I was not on, but still a lot of fun. Yeah. Houseu. So a lesson. Sarah, what did you learn from Texas Chain, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not to be mixed up with just Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the. The lesson for me is uh, there's so many different things. That, there's so many different spots where they could have done something to resolve some of these issues. <laughs> I guess my lesson is uh, listen to your gut. And your, um, the vibes that you're getting. Don't just, uh, walk into some place and think, wow, this looks really creepy. Cause if it might actually be like really, really bad and really creepy. So just, you know, be aware of your surroundings. That's my, that's my, uh, lesson. Uh, mine is, uh, if you're gonna visit Texas, no, I'd stick with the city. I'm not. Uh, if you're not a local, don't go to a small town where you, where you can buy questionable barbecue. You know, just <laughs> stick to Dallas, stick to San Antonio, stick to Abilene. You know, stick stick to the places where there's at least military or a, you know, a bunch of bunch of concrete around to to help defend you from the other faces of the world. Stick to places where you can see telephone poles. Go to oh, Austin. Yeah. It's a sign, sign of uh, civilization. Oh, yeah. There were no telephones in the movie. Nope. Oh, yeah. He, like, she ran to the gas station. He's like, we don't have a phone here. Don't worry. I'll get my truck. Yeah. Go they, over to the place. They had, like, the guy drive a couple towns over or something to get a phone. And, and then he smacks her unconscious with a broom, which I think was supposed to be funny. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, well, he, one of the parts that seemed purposely funny to me, now that I think back about it, is the whole hitchhiker in the van scene, because they've just uh-huh. got that goofy, like, kind of country, country western song going on in the background, uh-huh. and everybody's got that dumb found face there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hitchhiker looks like uh, James Franco a little bit here. Not a lot, but a little bit. No, I can't follow you either. Nope. Okay. My lesson is that... Let's see. I got. I got to think about this. Boy, oh boy! It, it, my lesson is that you should watch this movie. Oh, yeah. If you want to learn about film craft and good filmmaking in all of its forms, from like like we've talked about the entire thing, cinematography, sound design, directing, acting. Like I don't think there's a bad bit in the bunch. You know, art like, direction. Art direction and. And music choices and all these things come together in this low-budget film. This should be inspirational to anybody who wants to be a filmmaker. Even if you don't want to make horror movies. Like, I feel like you could just take a lot of ideas just from what you see in this and make something of it. 
What's a lesson from the story you experience in this movie? The lesson that I learned from the story in this movie is that don't you shouldn't eat random pieces of meat unless you know exactly what kind of meat they <laughs> <All> are. Right. <laughs> okay. That's. I mean, that's as good a lesson as you're going to get because that's. Listen, as we talked about. He's just eating these round little nugget things, you know. He's got that dumb look on it. Once again, he's got a dumb look on his face while he's chewing these things. Like, come on, man. Never yeah. hurts to have just a little pocket knife on you, you know, just a little one. That pocket knife just caused so much trouble <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, the original title was Head Cheese. Yes, I said, yeah. And yeah. said, come back to our house. You like head cheese? My brother makes the best head cheese. That's disgusting. Uh, mm-hmm. It apparently tastes good from what I understand. I right. just think it's a disgusting use of words when you oh, know yeah. that he's wearing <laughs> skin of other human beings on his head. I yeah. mean, I can't help but think about that. Yeah. We'll see you next week, folks. <laughs> thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. EarTrumpetAudio.com Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear.